Hello, and welcome to Frame by Frame, a song-by-song analysis about legendary progressive rock band King Crimson. Come and join us in our test of discipline. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another edition of the Frame by Frame podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan, and joining me as always is the Goblin, Avery. Avery, how are you doing over there? It's a new year, and I'm still a Goblin. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yes, this is our first episode of 2021. Um, well, Avery, how has the year so far? Is it better than the last one? Uh, it's starting off exponentially, like infinitely better than 2020 did. Mm-hmm. I would have so. to, I would have to agree. We're a few days in and it doesn't completely suck yet. So <laughs> let's hope it stays that way. Um, and I hope it stays the same. Yeah. For, and I hope it stays the same for all of our viewers out there. Um, because I bet the holidays were difficult for a lot of people for many reasons, but hopefully you got as much out of them as you could. Um, before we get into the song for this week, um, if any, if, if any of y'all are, it, I'm sure most of you have heard by now that um, a beloved rapper MF Doom passed away. Uh, this was, apparently he passed away uh, Halloween, but his family didn't announce it until the 31st of December. And I was working that day and then I came home and a friend told me about that. And my first response was, well, 2020 sucked until the very bitter end. Um, For those in our audience who don't know MF Doom, uh, he was always dubbed your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Um, He was known for wearing a signature mask and just being one of the most influential uh, rappers in underground hip hop. Um, for those of you who don't know him at all, I highly recommend starting with his album Mad Villain, or Va- Mad Villainy, um, which is a collaboration he did with producer Mad Lib in 2004. It is regarded as a masterpiece by many, including myself. Um, you can check that one out. Also, his album Mmm Food, or his first record, Operation Doomsday. Uh, any of those three are good places to start. And I thought I would just mention that because I'm quite a big fan of his work. Um, such an interesting, eccentric rapper. And I just wanted to pay my respects to him before we get started. So anyway. Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, he was only early 40s. And we still don't know why. As yeah. far as... Like his... Yeah, I like believe- I, I don't listen to rap, but... I've heard of him, so... He's fantastic. He's definitely worth your time, as is every every viewer's mm. time. Um, yeah, his wife posted about his death on Instagram, but she didn't specify what it was, so who knows. But, but all right, we got that out of the way. Now let's get started on the song for this edition, and that is Lady of the Dancing Water. Yep, we are still within Lizard, and we are going to end side one with the obligatory genteel ballad that seems to accompany every King Crimson album, Lady of the Dancing Water. So, Avery, what is your take on this little track? This is, like, the only song on Lizard that can be considered, like, remotely normal by any standard. (laughs) 
Like, it's just a nice, lovely little romantic ballad. Like, to me, it just sounds like like just some short-lived romance between Peterson Field and some girl. Yeah. And it's it's kind of similar to Moonchild, too, I think. Like, it's just two verses, and it's just about, a, like, a girl or a woman. What if, they, what if they did a 10-minute improvisation at the end of this track? Oh, God. <laughs> just a lot of trombone. Just a lot yeah. of trombone. Because <laughs> I would say that's the defining instrument on this track, is the use of the trombone, which I believe is played by Nick Evans. I think I'm getting that right. Um, I'll check real quick. I'll let everybody hear me check. Um, hmm. It's got to be something in here. Yes, Nick Evans. I was correct. Yeah, trust your own intuition sometimes. And um, he's essentially the standout member of the track. Um, and it's very sparse. You know, like, so I never really thought about it before. And that's there's the only percussion on it are just like the finger cymbals. There's no bass at all. Um, it's Fripp on acoustic guitar, Mel Collins on flute the aforementioned trombone and then Gordon Haskell on vocals and that's it. Oh wait, no, there's also uh, Keith Tippett playing some electric piano. It's not a Fender Rhodes. It's something much cheaper, um, which is kind of my only issue with the track is the choice of keyboard instrument for Keith Tippett to play felt kind of jarring to me. Because it's such a genteel, um, nice kind of floaty little ballad that you think they would have chosen, you know, either a Fender Rhodes or even just like an acoustic piano to kind of let the song have that more acoustic sound to it. Because it definitely has that kind of acoustic vibe to it. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a nice track. I, I've always considered it a break from the chaos because pretty much everything before and after this is pure chaos. So it's nice to get yeah. a little bit of a breather in there. But that being said, um, it might be my least favorite track on the record. That or maybe that or Happy Family. But my only issue with Lady of the Dancing Water is that there's just not a lot to it. It feels like when you mentioned Moonchild, I think that comparison was accurate because it comes off as just like a fragment of an idea but they didn't add anything to it to kind of make it bigger they just kind of let this small little idea rest which isn't which isn't a bad thing per se but I've always felt it maybe could have had like another verse maybe let the track give it another minute or so Probably would yeah, have been a good idea. Yeah, only two minutes and 45 seconds. Like, this is one of King Crimson's shortest songs. Mm-hmm. And it's to date the shortest song we've covered on this show. And probably will be the shortest track for a good while. Um, I don't think they wrote a shorter piece until Thrak? Yeah. Yeah, Thrak sounds about right. Um, but nevertheless, um, it, it's still nice. I'm I'm never against it. It's when it's sandwiched in between happy family and 
lizard it it feels nice you know or if you're listening to it on record it feels nice for that side to just sort of wistfully go away as i always say um but it keeps very much into like a medieval um gives me very like almost dungeons and dragons vibes you know because it's very you know like you know lions in the sun and pouring wine and autumn leaves and this stuff it's very it kind of keeps in line with how lizard is you know almost as i said like a medieval type yeah. of vibe to it and peter's lyrics aren't bad i like them actually it's it might be i his, do too it might be his best lyric on the album like there's there's nothing too out there to digest it's not full of all these timely references. It's not trying to be pretentious. It's just kind of sweet and almost innocent in a way, you know, because it's describing the yeah. sort of relationship, not in any sort of, you know, like intense or even like physical feelings. It's more just you're drinking wine with somebody by, I don't know, the lake or something. And it's just, it's a nice day. You know, it's essentially a picnic. This song is a picnic. And, you know, there's something sweet about that. And I think that's what helps the song in the long run, especially in the context of the album, because nothing else on this is sweet at all. You know? Yeah, everything else is just very strange and jarring and chaotic. And then this is just a nice little less than three minutes like a snippet of a relationship or something like mm -hmm. just this nice little romantic ballad yeah it's nice to get it at the very least um yeah but and I, I like that they don't distort gordon's vocals on this album or the song yeah they just sort of let them be their thing yeah and like it doesn't sound bad like i don't mind his vocals on this song and i and it I think that's also because he's into it, you know, because he's like, oh, yeah. this is a folksy love song. I can get behind this. And I think he I think he does a really good job. It's my I think as far as like genuine vocal performances from Gordon when he was in Crimson, I would say this is just below cadence. You know? Yeah, because there's actually you can tell he gets it, you know, like having him sing about circuses and like weird extramarital rich people doesn't mean anything to him but this you know it makes sense in fact you could easily hear him attempt something like this on one of his solo records later on in fact i don't know i doubt he ever covered this in fact i'm pretty sure he never bothered playing any king crimson songs outside of king crimson yeah I, I don't think he did but i think I wouldn't be surprised if he ever thought about doing this one. Like, why not? You know, because it wouldn't have hurt. But it's probably for the best. Um, however, this song was done live. As far as I know, it was only attempted by the Islands Band. No, no other lineup has attempted it. So, well, I listened to two live versions on the Islands box set two of the Zoom Club dates, they play it. And as far as I know, there wasn't any other versions. Um, 
on that box set. But I'm feeling they did it a couple more times. Yeah, they did. Like in my my bootleg collection, uh, oh, they did. Uh, they did Sheffield, uh, Plymouth Guildhall. I'll look it up real quick. Yep. So Plymouth Guildhall, Sheffield City Hall. Um, then they also did it in Detroit. Oh, they the did in Detroit. Show. Or they did Islands. The blues version of In the Court. Didn't they also do Islands at that show? Uh, did they? I haven't listened to that one in so long. So I know there was one show, like I think it was a collectors' club where it actually, they played Islands. Really? Yeah. I feel it was Detroit. But I, I know it was 71. It wasn't 72. Uh, all right, I just looked in my, my giant bootleg collection again, and <laughs> Brighton... Don't dox her, Fred. Uh, <laughs> All right, so it's Brighton, nineteen seventy-one. They did Islands Live. Oh, that's right. It was Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was about to say, if at Detroit they did Islands, Dancing Water, and Blues Court, like that's that's an epic gig. That is an epic gig. That's a legendary show, right there. That that would be. Yes, absolutely. But, I, I can't even imagine. But what are your takes on them doing Lady Live? I think Boz did a really good job with it. Like, it just, it it suits his voice. Like, when he ha- sings in that sort of, like, gentle, melodic style. But like it's he doesn't, not... like, form in Tara Lady, for example. But it's not just Boz. Uh, yeah, is it also... Who else is singing there? Is it it's gotta uh, be. Ian Wallace? Or... Yeah. Because when, yeah. when the, you know, um, pouring my wine, your eyes, caged mind glowing, you know, the way it's, it's obviously overdubbed, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it was an interesting idea that they still kept that cadence, no pun intended, rather than just kind of <laughs> trying to adjust it so Boz could do the whole thing. You know, I thought that was an interesting idea. But, you know, not bad, because Ian only has to sing, like, a couple words here and there, you know? Because I know he did backings when he was in Krim, so. But, yeah, Boz does a good job with it. Um, I don't think he's as good as Gordon, but I think how he he brings his own personality to the table. Um, but But I think the island's material suits him better vocally, in my opinion. Though, what I find interesting is that on the studio version, Mel plays flute, but yet live, he instead plays the saxophone. At least in the versions I heard. And it's not like he he didn't have the flute with him. So I found that stylistic choice to be very interesting. I don't think I liked it. Yeah, like... the flute suits the song so much better. Like, it, it really isn't a saxophone song. Yeah, because he's trying to be genteel with it, but it's like, it's a saxophone. It's You can't be gentle with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it just goes, 
you know, it, it's a loud instrument. Yeah. It's not a quiet. Um, so I don't know why he chose that. Maybe he just wanted to do something a little different. And I don't mind yeah, it. Maybe he just preferred the saxophone. Yeah, most likely. Because, um, like, when it first comes in and it's him just, like, playing one note, like, just very softly and it just kind of crescendos in, it's really nice. But then as Boz is continuing in the vocal melody, it just sounds like Mel is just taking it over by doing his own sort of melody and kind of almost killing the vibe of the song entirely, which which did hurt me a little bit because it's like you don't need to do that, you know. But mm. nevertheless, it is what it is. Um, and yeah, Fripp does a good job on the acoustic and the electric for the live versions, very much in the background. Um, not, not a song you associate him with as like a player, but it's not bad in terms of his playing. Though what's interesting, if you go to like the YouTube release or the Spotify release of Lizard, they have like the studio sessions bonus track and it's like a different take of Circus and then a different take of Lady of the Dancing Water kind of just like sandwiched together. And I got to say that alternate take of Lady of the Dancing Water, I would say is actually better in the studio version because it's, have you heard it? Um, I'm not sure. All right. It's a, it's completely different instrumentation. So there's like no guitar on it. There's no trombone on it. There's still Mel playing flute, but it's a little bit different. Instead it's, Keith Tippett playing the acoustic piano and then Mel kind of duetting with him on that. And then you still have Gordon's normal vocal take and any extra instruments you get, maybe a little bit of the electric piano that's in the studio version, but it's a lot more subtle. And then there's even a couple parts where you get some Mellotron as well. And it, it makes the song a little bit bigger, but I think, the more keyboard centric instrumentation, it just appealed to me a lot more. It's not as sparse, but it gives, it, it gives Keith Tippett's um, playing more room to breathe and kind of let the song have more of kind of a grandiose um, style that Lizard is almost kind of known for, for being kind of big and brash. Um, it's not like over the top or anything, but just hearing it being played with an acoustic piano, I would say is almost better than just having Fripp do the acoustic guitar. He might still be doing it, but it could just be more quiet in the background or maybe he was playing a little bit of Mellotron, but I don't know. I liked the keyboard centric more. It, it resonated with me, you know, it made it more kind of classical and not as like folk, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I need to look that up sometime. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's on YouTube. If you just go to their web, if you go to the Crimson page, and you just go to the albums and you just click Lizard, it's the one that just says Studio Sessions. Because you get like the, like a studio run through of Circus and then a Lady of the Dancing Water alternate take. So, and both are, both are definitely interesting and worth listening to. Because near the end of the Circus one, you get you get to hear Fripp kind of doing some solo acoustic guitar, like playing to the track. So it's more interesting to hear kind of his playing on that track. 
Um, yeah. So where would you place um, Lady of the Dancing Water in your ranking of lizard tracks? This actually might be my favorite song on the album. Oh, really? Yeah, like, now that I'm revisiting this album after such a long time, like, it, it's definitely, it's either this one or the title track. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, like, the, it's the least scary. Yeah, and <laughs> no weird distortions on Gordon's voice. I like that. No, no haunting of clowns coming at you. Yeah, <laughs> no scary clown music here. <laughs> I totally understand that. Um, I only say it's my least favorite because it feels like it doesn't stand out as much for me. I mean, my love for indoor games has already been mentioned before. Um, Circus is pretty great. Um, Happy Family, I kind of, I still feel like the jury's out on that one for me, but. I do not dislike Lady of the Dancing Water at all. It's it's a very pleasant track, and I like Gordon's vocals on it, and I like the trombone and all that. But when I listen to Lizard, it's not one of the songs I immediately think of. It's it's probably the song yeah. that blends in. So that's probably why I would rank it a little bit lower, but I still rather enjoy the song. So, and it's... Weirdly enough, in the sort of lineage of prog... If you've ever noticed that, say, with Genesis or Yes, they've had, like, more kind of light acoustic songs, prelude, like, big epics. So, almost in that... I was just about to say that. Like, at some point, I needed to say this. I noticed that. Like, mm -hmm. this is comparable to Horizons, in a way. Or even in that for, it's, like, this nice... Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. this nice acoustic tracks preceding this huge epic. Mm-hmm. The Calm Before the Storm. Yeah. Yeah, because that track is indeed a storm. But we're in the calm <laughs> right now, and it feels nice and calm. So and it's a nice song to listen to after the, the craziness of the holidays to just kind of lay back and let something nice on you, you know? It's like a, it's like a nice warm bath. <laughs> so... Any final thoughts? Um, I'd say that's about it. They're a pretty short track. Mm -hmm. Not too much to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Uh, thank you all for listening through the holidays as we were taking our break. Um, I hope you guys had a fun time because I'm sure we – we did our best to enjoy the holidays, but we are in the new year now and we're going to get back into our normal schedule. So we are excited to get back to it and hopefully you guys are excited to get back into listening with us. So, and as always, if there's any questions or comments or anything, you can email us, email us at framebyframepod at gmail.com. And if you say anything interesting, we will say it on the show. So next next week is a track I know I've been looking forward to talking about. It'll probably be our longest episode yet, but we are going to be tackling the almighty lizard. So until lizard, we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.
Thank you.